Hello. Yes. Yes, yes. now I hear you. Hi, Tobias. <laughs> uh, hello. Um, you hear me well, I hope. Yes, perfect. I, now I, I see you as well again. <laughs> yes, I didn't hear anything uh, before. No? But uh, these are the kind of problems we have nowadays. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, so how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm really happy you also are having a little cup of tea or, or coffee. I also have mine as well on the on the side for a little chat. It's been yes. quite a while we haven't seen each other or talked with each other. Yes, um, I think since the corona, I always try to have a cup of coffee in meetings. Uh, mm -hmm. It seems like... Uh, a little bit more like a real meeting uh, if I have a cup of coffee, yes. Yeah, mm. it feels a little bit more friendly and informal as well. Yes. Mm. So yeah, I'm really excited that you uh, accepted to chat uh, together today a little bit more on the topic of happiness. And um, most of the people I've had those conversations with before are from an outside perspective, a lot more, I would say, extroverted uh, than than you from the first time that I that I met you. And so mm. I was curious to hear a little bit on your perspective, a little bit on on that, uh, because it's not necessarily because someone doesn't express as much their feelings or their excitement or their joy that they're not as uh, as happy, but yourself would you consider or label yourself as a as a happy person or not necessarily um i, I i'm not considering myself as a happy person mm -hmm. uh, if you ask if i'm happy i would say yes but my my personality is not really a happy kind of person and maybe it has something to do with uh, that I easily get overwhelmed uh, in uh, w when a lot of things happen around me. Mm -hmm. I, I have a hard time express myself. It's too much anyway. So that's probably why <laughs> people consider me uh, rather someone who uh, is in the corner thinking about stuff uh, rather mm. than talking loudly with everyone. Mm -hmm. yes. It's really interesting that yeah. you just made this distinction of not considering yourself as a happy person, but you could say that you are happy in, in your life. Mm -hmm. What do you think there is this difference in the two that you can easily say, yes, I am happy, but I am not a happy person. You talked a little bit about maybe your personality. How does that play a role in how you see happiness? Well, I guess everyone uh, have different definitions about what happiness is. Mm. But uh, for my part, I think happiness is something that I experience over time rather than mm. something that happens in a moment. And uh, I don't know, other people might have other definitions. Uh, but... Um, I, I read in a book a long time ago that uh, our capacity to be happy is depending on three different things. The first one is our uh, core personality, mostly genes and uh, mm. earlier uh, experiences when we were just kids or something. And this is the main part, and we can't really do much about that. Uh, and then we have another part, and that is external factors. We cannot really do much about that either. Uh, and then there is a small part we actually can do something about. And uh, I think that first part is not in. Uh, <laughs> it's not good programming uh, mm. for me to to make me a happy person like that. But I. Uh, have become a happier person over time. Uh, maybe a little bit because th these two uh, second uh, parts, external mm -hmm. factors and what I can do self. Uh, the external factors in my life 
have been good, I think. Uh, I have experienced things that um, I, I couldn't really decide myself. It has happened around me and that has uh, influenced me in a way that made me more happy. And mm -hmm. the last part, uh, I... Uh, have been thinking and I have been learning and I, I have been trying to experience a lot of things during my life and during this time I have learned a lot about humanity and stuff and uh, I, I find more and more reasons to be happy uh, mm. when, when I learn more and experience more in life. That's really cool because it's not always easy to be optimistic about the world and where the world is is heading yes. generally in our in our society. So the fact that you say that you've been trying to experience a lot of things and that this has helped you, yeah, be more optimistic and see a lot of things that are positive just generally in your life and also in in society. Um, Going back a little bit to personality, yeah, go, go ahead. Can, can I say something? Uh, well, it's easy to be... Uh, uh, it's easy to feel that the world is full of problems, but we are hard-coded with a negativity bias. We mm. tend to see the problems, and in the newspapers we only see the problems. And... If you met a stranger 10,000 years ago, you should probably be a bit afraid. Uh, and even 200 years ago, strangers were kind of scary. <laughs> uh, so in a way, we are hard-coded to be afraid. And we are hard-coded to uh, see all the negativity around us. But mm. if you try to uh, see the actual facts about things i think that is one of the major things that made mm. me more happy because um, when i was like 20 or something i was a typical negativity bias person <laughs> i thought the world was uh, a bad place but mm. uh, around the around year 2000 or something i i met people and i read books and i understand that most of the things in the world is getting better. Uh, mm. Most of the people in the world is really nice people. And you, you can't get that information from a newspaper because they don't write about nice people. They write about this 1% that really mm. mess things up for others. The rest of us, 99% of us, we don't mess up the world. We are nice people. And... Uh, I have been better at seeing these nice people during my life, I think. Mm. That's a really, really good advice that I think we don't hear so often on happiness. Generally, advice around how to be happy is probably, I don't know, do things that you enjoy or maybe meditate or think positively. But looking really at the data... It's not necessarily something we think naturally about doing to, to feel like, okay, I can be optimist and, and things are, are going better. But we have a lot more data today than we did, obviously, many, many years ago. And so while it can help us see the problems, it's also a good reminder that it can also help us see the progress that we have and the things that are getting better yeah. and, and, and going well. Um, to follow up a little bit on that, from my personal experience, I have seen that people who seem to question themselves a lot, who analyze a lot, who always, you know, have this sort of analytical and introspective, um, maybe mindset, usually have a harder time, let's say, enjoying life or feeling truly happy. Is this something you have experienced yourself? Or not necessarily, and do you think it's a correlation, or maybe it's just, uh, you know, a coincidence between between the two? Well, it's a hard question, but I think uh, if you ask a lot of people, 
do you think it's important to be happy? Do you strive for happiness? I think a lot of people would say yes. Mm. But in reality, I don't think a lot of us are trying to be happy. We are trying mm. to get confirmation from others and we try to achieve things and we try to uh, make our lives meaningful. Mm. And this might lead to happiness in the uh, later part, but um, I, I, I strive to learn a lot and uh, I think a lot and analyze a lot and that might make me feel less, <laughs> appear less happy, but uh, I guess that is my path to happiness. Mm. If, if I learn things, I think about things, I experience things. Uh, I think that makes me happier hmm. in the long yeah. run, at least. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good distinction as well, because I think if we just ask ourselves questions all the time and maybe in a loop and think, I don't know, how is humanity going to survive and how are things going to get better? And we don't really get answers and we don't really learn anything new, then I guess it's really easy to stay in a negative, unhappy loop. But yes. you seem to have managed to go from those questions into your yeah, progression and learning process than just ruminating over those, those questions over and over again. Yes. Um, I, I heard um, th there is a, a psychic mechanism in most mm -hmm. of us that we tend to enjoy uh, thinking about the world as a bad place uh, because we all have stress issues and we all have things we worry about but mm. if we think that the world is a messy place and everything will uh, be a, an apocalypse in, in a couple of years uh, our personal problems will not appear as uh, Important. That's bad. <laughs> True. So, so I think a lot of people, in a way, want the world to be a worse place than it is. Mm. Um, and in a way, uh, <laughs> uh, it's more provocative to, to be an optimistic person. Uh, mm. If I say the world is better now than 50 years ago, uh, people expect me to prove it. Mm. But if they say the world is worse now than ever, no one expects them to prove that. Uh, mm. that that's the common... Like read the news every day and you will see that the world is a bad place. <laughs> and things are getting better, but that doesn't mean I don't care about the problems we have. Mm. But I think real problems can only be solved if we know the real nature of these problems. Mm. Uh, yes. Mm. Hmm. You mentioned a little bit earlier that you have different things in your life, uh, especially learning that has helped you be happier in your life and help you today. Do you have other things in your life that you feel this is essential to, to my happiness in every day or every week to, to have? Um, I would say um, <laughs> you, you just describe me as someone uh, sitting in the corner thinking about <laughs> stuff and that's uh, a good thing because a lot of people in our society they are very busy all the time mm. and they don't give themselves a break to contemplate about stuff. Uh, I take walks in the woods and I go swimming at my gym and I read uh, books and listen to audiobooks and I uh, con uh, talk with my kids and uh, other people. That is something that makes me happier uh, mm. because in a way I take care of myself. My brain has a break from time to time mm. and uh, I think it's easier to be happy if you let your brain uh, take it easy uh, yeah. sometimes. Is it something you've always uh, believed in 
and do in your life to take maybe not time off but time to do these things that are not necessarily you know super productive and working all the time or is this something that you have sort of worked on and incorporated in those later years uh, it's a kind of a new thing um, <laughs> I had a kind of a breakdown a couple of years ago before that I tried to have a very uh, productive focus all the time mm. and I didn't really take care of myself uh, after that I have been more self-reflective and I take better care of myself and I would say I have learned a lot since mm. that because I've read like 200 books since then but when mm. I was super productive I didn't learn anything uh, I did the same thing every day mm. so so uh, it was good for me to have this uh, <laughs> Yeah, meltdown. <laughs> Maybe difficult, difficult moment. I think one of the fears a lot of people have, and that I had also when I was a little bit younger, with this need of being productive, is this idea that, oh, if I kind of stop, or if I start to take time to just read or chat with my family and so on, that will become lazy. That we won't accomplish as much. That then we're not gonna have not just the career that we want, but also the life that we want. How did you sort of convince yourself after, you know, this hard time that you could have thought, oh, now I need to double down and, you know, keep working to make up for maybe the time I wasted or, uh, you know, I need to get back on track with career, with life. What would you say to someone who has not yet reached that difficult point, how they can sort of understand that, it's probably good to incorporate all this before something difficult happens to you. Well, <laughs> if someone told me before I had my breakdown, I would probably not listen. Push it uh, away, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure I can uh, influence mm. anyone, but I'm, I, I think I try in different ways. Um, I talk about... Um, the importance of uh, being bored sometimes. Mm. Uh, when I was a kid, I was bored and uh, that made me creative. Mm. But nowadays, most of us are never get bored because mm. we are uh, too busy with everything and we have our phones and we have uh, probably too much to do uh, we we could probably choose to do less things uh, mm. in life and uh, take better care of ourselves but uh, i think uh, being bored is not a bad thing if you're mm. bored sometimes you will probably be better at feeling happiness uh, sometimes yep. as well yeah i think it helps with happiness and even for people who are super maybe career-oriented or productive-oriented when most of us now work with knowledge or or intelligence of some sort. We're not producing so much <laughs> most mm. of the time as a, you know, a real product or something. And if we're always on, it becomes really hard to have creative ideas that is not something, you know, an AI would come up with. So mm. I would say even beyond happiness, for me, the way I've managed also to see it as, oh, this is productive in some ways for me to take this time off is that then my ideas for maybe work or career are going to be a lot better and I need to do that. Otherwise, any artificial intelligence is going to be able to have the same ideas as me. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I think if you're working with creative things, you can't work with it full time. You need mm. a lot of... Uh, time just to c contemplate things uh, you, mm. you can't uh, be creative if you uh, uh, if you want to be creative every day <laughs> yeah. from eight eight to five it's not possible yeah if you treat it like working on yeah making a product in a factory it's going to be very difficult to achieve that same level of quality um mm. every day and 
boredom is something is the reason so many of us think we need meditation is because it's the only time that there is nothing that we're doing or nothing <laughs> going on. Uh, a little few months ago, I went on a trip with my dad and we were just sitting in a train for 26 hours, a very slow <laughs> train. Yeah. And there was no way to charge the phone. We didn't have, you know, computers, iPad or anything like that. And before the trip, I thought, wow, it's going to be really long. What are we going to do for 26 hours? Because while sometimes I can be very talkative, my dad, he's not the most talkative person. (laughs) So I thought, okay, that's going to be very long. And I thought probably I will be bored. I'm not so used to be bored anymore. This is going to be difficult. And then we sat for 20, 26 hours. We almost didn't speak. Yeah. And it felt great, actually. <laughs> I thought maybe it's going to feel so uncomfortable because I'm not going to have, you know, dopamine notifications or something distracting me. Yeah. And then I just looked outside at the nature, at the people. And I was surprised how much easier it was to spend that time without nothing than yeah. I realized before. Mm. It was a good prison. <laughs> yes, probably a good prison uh, that we all should have sometimes. Mm. My One of my fears is that at some point all of the aircraft are going to have Wi-Fi on them available for free because it's kind of one of the few places in our modern world that sometimes you can be unreachable and have a few hours Maybe not mm. without distractions, because most long flights have screens and you can have, you know, your computer and so on. But it's like, at least nobody can reach you for a few hours. Mm. Um, I, I've experienced, no, I have experimented with uh, dopamine fasting. It's mm-hmm. not really a, a dopamine fasting, but uh, the idea is to... Uh, skip all these uh, quick validations Mm. in in life. So I tried for a couple of days to not use my computer or my phone at all, except for work purposes. And I uh, were not allowed to eat something sugary or coffee or alcohol and um, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And after a couple of days, I met a friend and he asked me how I was doing and as a Swede I uh, I think about how I am I doing and I tell him yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I said actually I think I a little bit I'm a little bit low uh, mm. and this was five days into my dopamine fast and the idea is to have some balance to mm. be bored to uh, retrieve that uh, good feelings about stuff again that uh, disappears in Mm. in a stressful uh, society but uh, if I'm getting a bit depressed after five days it's probably not good balance I have Mm. done it too long I should probably only do it for three days or something to retrieve this balance Mm. Uh, I think those small things in life, uh, a good meal and uh, a good uh, TV show at HBO or something, that uh, is a part of a good life. And Mm. and if if you choose to not do anything of that, you will probably be depressed (laughs) sooner or later. That is not a good balance either. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And continuing a little bit on those aspects about dopamine and we touched a little bit earlier as well about news and the media so we've known each other from your TEDx talk about the impact of media generally on our life and a little bit on on happiness as well and a lot of people who maybe don't think that this is a good idea you know will argument that then you ignore a little bit what's going on in the world that you live in your own little bubble and maybe it's kind of like fake happiness if you don't know anything that's that's going on and maybe you isolate yourself a little bit if you again don't don't read the news um you've been experimenting with this for a little while now how do you feel 
that it's impacted your happiness at the beginning, maybe the evolution of it until until today? Was it always, oh, I feel better because I don't read the news? Were there moments that you felt maybe yeah, isolated from it? Or was it kind of always a positive experience? Um, I, I quit the news eight years ago when I had this breakdown I mentioned mm. before. Uh, I didn't have the capacity to to read news because it, um, well, <clears throat> it was too I, much. <laughs> I, I needed to use my energy for other things, mm. uh, and I realized after some time that I didn't think I missed anything important. So, mm. so uh, well, and I still believe uh, most of the days nothing important happens, mm. but they. Every day they would like to inform us about something they tell us is in, important. Uh, important, but it's probably not. Mm. Uh, so uh, I, I think that uh, my happiness is better since I don't read the news because it's mm. so much problem oriented and it's uh, so loud. Uh, you you said uh, a lot of us nowadays we sell our creativity and mm. our uh, mental capacity in a way, yep. but in a way we are shifting to selling our attention, mm. and that's not a good thing because it means everyone is screaming for attention and we can't hear anything, mm. and. Uh, we we tend to listen to those who scream the loudest, but maybe those aren't the ones that have something important to say. Mm. So I think we should try to listen to the people that are, are not screaming once in a while. Um, mm. And it's not just the news, it's the social media and, and everything. Uh, Everyone wants the attention and they are screaming louder. Um, mm. It's it's not a good thing, I think. <laughs> and it, also you, you work in your professional career a lot with communication. So mm. how do you see that there is a way forward to communicate generally in our society that can make people feel not as bad than the way we see the news today? Well, it's very hard, of course. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote the book, and the book is very uh, reasoning. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to be one of those loud uh, mm. Voice. <laughs> voices just screaming, this is the most important for now. Mm. Uh, and that might be worse for my book sales uh, <laughs> because maybe I need to scream to sell more books. Uh, but that's that is a dilemma in in my communication projects as well. <laughs> I don't want to be the one who screams. It, it's depending on what I'm working with, of course, but most of the things I'm working with has uh, a long... Long-term uh, impact or vision, maybe? The, the goal is f- several years ahead. Mm. Uh, mm. If you scream to get someone's attention now, you might have their attention now, but not tomorrow. Mm. Uh, but if you are working with issues that is important now and will be for uh, several years you 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 can't really be that kind of communicator uh, mm-hmm. i would like to be serious and a uh, long time trustworthy yeah yeah mm. do you have a favorite way of communicating or one way of communicating that makes you happier whether that's writing uh Talking, singing, maybe. Well, uh, no, I don't have a favorite. Uh, I'm trying to learn all the time. So, 
um, when I think I can manage one thing, I, I did a lot of podcasts as an mm-hmm. example. Uh, now I can do that. So now I don't want to do that anymore. Now I want to do something else. Uh, so now I would like to do more films uh, because mm-hmm. I'm not good at that yet, but I want mm. to be good at that. So I, uh, I, I would like to explore that more. Mm-hmm. So I guess your happiness in your case comes more from yeah, the experimenting and the growth and the learning than perhaps the medium itself. Is that correct? Um, yes, yes, I would say, yes. Do you see this in other areas in your life as well? That usually maybe it's not so much the activity itself that you enjoy or product itself that you enjoy, but maybe... Oh, it's a new product and you discover it. And so it makes you happy to see this new gadget or a new experience. And that's what makes you happy. Um, well, those intense experiences, they make me happy uh, uh, for a short time. Mm. Um, but uh, and I think we need them to be happy in the long run but it's hard to find the balance Mm. Uh, when when I was younger I bought stuff all the time that felt good when I bought Mm. them but two days later I didn't know why 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 did I (laughs) why do I have this (laughs) and it took me many years uh, before I realized that so uh, yeah Hmm. So talking a little bit about the obstacles that sometimes we can have in life on happiness, in other conversations I've touched upon, yeah, this needs to either be buying new things or always trying to achieve something. That can be one of them. We've talked a little bit about the news. Do you see elements in life that can be strong obstacles as a way to be to be happy or something that prevents us from from being happy in our life well there are a lot of things that works against our happiness mm. i think um first of all uh, i think in the history uh the, it it's probably not a good evolutionary advantage being happy Mm. so uh, in a way if you feel happy nowadays it's a very good thing and maybe almost unnatural because (laughs) in the history we couldn't spend time on happiness we Mm. had to spend time on survival and uh, it was probably not very nice uh, Mm. (laughs) all the time so uh, as a man uh, you would survive to greater extent if you had power and dominance mm. and uh, I don't think that has nothing to do with happiness um, so but in a, in, a, in a way we are not programmed for this kind of society so we need mm. to uh, reevaluate. Uh, how we functions and uh, if we reflect on ourselves ourselves and our behavior we can uh, find out when we act irrationally or Mm. maybe in a way that actually harms us ourselves yeah Uh, so uh, we we need to decrypt ourselves to understand (laughs) ourselves in a in a way I think mm. that's probably yeah one of the first and and biggest obstacles when you were talking about yeah our evolution as a society what came up for me is that I hope that nearly now we we know as a society or as human beings how to, how to survive um I would say that perhaps we are reaching a time that we can be a 
happiness society in the sense that because we already know how to survive, how to live with each other, how to collaborate with each other, we haven't quite yet figured out how to save our living environment. <laughs> but yeah. I would say that perhaps our evolution and our preservation as a species on Earth will require us not just to be obviously depressed all the time and want to give up and think, wow, we are doomed, yeah. but that it will require us to be positive and feeling happier so that we can take the courageous action and have the creative ideas to maybe save save ourselves. Yes. Is this a vision that you would share or maybe you think we need a little bit more time to to reach that uh, state of happiness society or maybe we will never reach that, that stage? Well, in a way, um, the, the world is in constant progress. No, everything mm. is not going in the right direction, but uh, in a lot of ways, the world is getting better. And even if most of the people are uh, thinking that the world is uh, doomed, it doesn't really mm. matter as long as we have a couple of people ignoring <laughs> this and uh, make this progress. Uh, so mm. um, I wish everyone could be happy in the future but uh, now i think maybe <laughs> 10 or 20 percent is enough to op optimists to, to mm. still uh, make progress in the world uh, hmm. but but i wish they were more of course <laughs> can always wish wish for more <laughs> mm. what would you say has been one of the happiest moment in in your life so far well, <clears throat> I guess it has also to do with how do you find who how you define happiness. Mm. And a typical answer could be when my children were born. Uh, but and it was intense, intense and very exciting. And and uh, well, I was happy, of course. But I was also scared because. Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This then perhaps sleep baby, deprived as well. <laughs> this baby comes with a great responsibility, and mm. uh, uh, so now my daughters are seventeen and twenty-one. Mm -hmm. And if I died today, they would probably manage quite well. Mm. That makes me happy. Mm. Uh, when they were born, I was happy to have them, of course, but every day they get older and they learn and experience things. Uh, it makes me happier. And mm. in that sense, I'm as happy as ever today. <laughs> <laughs> and tomorrow I will be as well, and mm. the day after that. So uh, that makes me very happy. See mm. them growing up and be functional enough better than i was uh, that's a goal i think mm, that's a really beautiful way of of seeing it because it is an easy answer especially when one has children to say okay i don't know that day was the most beautiful even though generally i'm not sure it's the most uh yeah joyful or easy easy day for for anyone to to go through probably a lot of stress and yeah things changing all at once but the way of seeing it as yeah, an evolution and them becoming their own person and not necessarily needing you less, but that they are their own um, yeah, person in the world now and you can worry perhaps a little bit less about, uh, about them or the impact and the responsibility that you have on, on their everyday uh, life. I think it's, it's beautiful that you manage to frame it in this yeah, happy, happy way for, for them and, and their life. Do you have other people in your life that you find are for you the happiest people that uh, that you know? Um, well, the children is like a project. <laughs> uh, and I guess that is what makes me uh, happy in a way. I have lots of good friends and I have my wife, but it's not really the same thing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not <laughs> a project in the same way, but uh, they surely they give me uh, happiness. Of course, mm -hmm. 
I'm happy to have them. Do you have some of them that seem happier than others? And if so, why would you think that they are the happiest of in your networks of people? Well, I think it has to do with that we talked about in the beginning, that our core personality is different. And mm. I have friends that seem very functional, <laughs> uh, but they are rare. Most mm. of us have a lot of issues and problems, uh, but um, so it's kind of a lottery in a way. And I think mm. you can change a little bit of your core personality, but it's not easy. You need to work mm. very hard to do that. Um, and it's uh, unfair in a way. Some people are less able to feel happiness because they mm. uh, were born with uh, harder circumstances. Mm. Uh, I think it's easier to like happy people, but everyone should probably think sometimes, uh, what if I listen to this guy instead that may not be as uh, welcoming but uh, still, uh, <laughs> they might have interesting things to say as well, not mm. just the happy people. Yeah, it circles back a little bit with what we were saying earlier about society and showing, while in the media we see a lot of the negative news generally on some other platform, especially social media, it's a bit of competition of who has the best life and who seems mm. the, the happiest and there is a little bit this idea that if you want to have friends and if you want people to like you, you need to be this extroverted, happy, positive uh, mm. person. And if you're just, yeah, in your corner analyzing life, then people are just going to leave you by yourself and they're not going to want to be your friends. Um, would you say that you have felt yourself forced a little bit or pressured to change a little bit your personality to fit the standards or not necessarily and you feel well the right people will come to me and, and be my friends and i can be happy with with people who appreciate me for for that well um i'm very curious so if i am in a social uh, uh, well uh, like a party or a, mm. a seminar or something uh, I, I find it very interesting to ask people about things and I learn about them and mm. uh, they're part of the world. Uh, but after that, I might need some time alone to process everything. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'm both. Mm. So you find your way to... Yeah, be social, but in your own in your own way. Yes. Mm. <laughs> Perfect. Would you have a final tips or recommendation on happiness, either for introverted people, for extroverted people, any kind of of people? Uh, I have a recommendation. Uh, when I wrote my book, uh, I had some help with the language issues. Uh, mm -hmm from my friend Thomas, uh, he didn't just help me with the language. He, he um, found a lot of good content to put in my mm. book. So, so he was <laughs> a good part of uh, why the book is a good book. But he found something very interesting, I think. Uh, and I didn't know that this when uh, my children was young, but I have tried to tell my children the world is a good place. You don't need to mm. be afraid. People are nice. And Thomas, my friend, he found this study uh, showing that a lot of people seem to believe that if they tell their kids the world is a dreadful place and you will probably be disappointed and in how people uh, are Act in the world. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Parents tend to believe that they are 
preparing their kids mm. for for a, a world that is the hardship uh, of life <laughs> yes but this study shows that this intention is exactly the opposite it's mm. very negative because if you learn your kid to be afraid in the world uh, yeah. you will have lesser uh you will you will have a lower salary you will easily mm. be depressed you will not uh, be as content with life it's a long list mm. uh, so if you have children uh, tell them that the world is a nice place and mm. they will end up in a world that actually is a nice place because these children will be a part of it mm. uh, and it will make your kids uh, feel better about life and being happier. So that is very important, I think. Hmm. And it's great to have yeah, data and sort of research on it because the first intent feels like, of course, we want to protect them. Same with our friends or any loved ones. We would think, oh, well, they need to know what are the dangers. They need to be prepared. They need to know they are you know, people who will do bad things to them so they can protect themselves, so they can know, they can avoid those situations. But mm. it is true that a lot of time, if you already think that something terrible is going to happen, probably you're going to be a lot more scared, a lot more uncomfortable, a lot more avoidant. Mm. And while, of course, sometimes you need to be paying attention and, and protecting yourself from certain aspects, if we spend all of our lives just thinking everything is terrible and I need to be careful. You don't have the energy or maybe not mental capacity, but you're not going to go out there and try to do a lot of things because you're busy protecting yourself and feeling scared about, about the world and what, uh, what may happen to you. Mm. So yeah. that's a really yeah. good advice. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do you feel that your uh, your children have taken it to heart? Uh, yes, I think so. And we've discussed it a bit as well. Um, well, uh, of course, there are dangers out there. And mm. I'm not trying to uh, make them believe that there are no dangers. But... Mm. Uh, in in a way, if you're afraid all the time, it's some kind of a cost. Mm. And if you end up with a bad experience, that is also a cost. But mm. if you are afraid all the time, it might be a larger cost than uh, actually experience something bad. I'm pretty gullible myself. Mm -hmm. I tr trust people I never met before. And almost every time uh, it is a good um, mm. uh, intention for my part but of course it has happened that uh, I have been <laughs> uh, very disappointed in this other person and in myself believing in mm. this other person but in the long run I think my gullibility is probably a good thing um, mm. Yeah, so <laughs> sometimes it's not perfect, but most of the times it is. Mm, that's very true. That's very true because even if you know that there are people who will scam you or disappoint you or that you can't trust, it's not because you know this, that you can avoid this to happen 100% of the time. And there's so many things that we don't dare to do if we think, yeah, either the world is a bad place or there's only bad people and I think it's hard especially when we get older to keep seeing it this way so for me for example I've since I'm 18 tried to go on one trip by myself every year mm. and it was great because at the start I'm so maybe naive or so thinking the world is so nice so I go <laughs> by myself and I'm not scared and I just take a flight ticket and off I go and nothing bad ever happens to me. 
Mm. And now that I'm older, I don't feel as confident doing it. Now I feel, well, nothing bad has ever happened to me. So maybe next time something bad is going to happen to me. Or I question it a lot more, even though realistically I have no proof that something bad should happen when I go by myself on the strips. If anything, my good experiences should reinforce the fact that, well, it's good. I should continue doing it. But I have found that with time, I don't know if it's aging or or such, but I find that it's harder to to have this, uh, yeah, just maybe carefree or naive <laughs> naive outlook on on the world that everything is going to work out just just fine. <laughs> but we are changing with age, so mm. um, some things is getting better, definitely. I think but some things might not be, we, we might be less curious by age. Mm. And uh, uh, I'm trying to uh, work against that. I, I uh, put effort mm. to still being curious. Um, hopefully I live 50 more years and I can't <laughs> stop evolving now if I'm supposed to live 50 more years. <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, I try to fight it a little bit myself and balance. Okay, is this really a risky trip to take on, or you know, should I just not listen to older version of uh, of Orlando and go anyway, just like I have always done? So I think it's a little bit yeah of balance, as you mentioned, into taking into account that you can evolve and that realistically some places are more dangerous to go to, or you know, one shouldn't be totally um careless either and, and put themselves into very difficult uh, situation but it is a little bit or it remains important to identify when it's worth sort of pushing against those uh those fears or those ideas that may prevent us from doing something cool and uh when it's uh, just totally <laughs> a bad idea <laughs> But uh, thank you so much, Tobias, for for those answers. We've covered a lot of great uh, great tips, so I'm really glad I could hear your vision and your insights on happiness as well, a little bit more from a introversion perspective and an analytical perspective. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it was very interesting. I think. I hope your uh, your daughters will also take you some someday when you're very old on a little crazy trip. <laughs> Well, that would make me very happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Tobias. All right. Uh, Thank you for today. (laughs) Thank you, Tobias. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.